This is the 4501 Podcast, episode 29, Travel Hacking 101. Hey, Tony, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Mark? I need to start this off because I've been wanting to say this ever since you've been in Vietnam. Good morning, Vietnam. What is that from? I, I see. It's from a movie. It's from a movie with Robin Williams. R.I.P. Robin Williams. But um, I forget. I don't know actually the movie, what the movie's called. Okay, I I thought there was like some historical significance maybe, but that's not the case. I, it could be maybe, but I just remember Robin Williams screaming it out, and also Michael Scott from The Office. Oh, unlike the the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Have, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of people are going to say it over there. <laughs> Practically nobody except the tourists from America. Lols. So um, I've been noticing that you've been putting up uh, some more videos about your trips to Vietnam, specifically the Banh Mi. Can you please explain to us what a Banh Mi is? Banh Mi is the Vietnamese word for bread. And uh, they just call, I guess I could just call the sandwiches Banh Mi sandwiches here. Um, you can eat them for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. They have usually some type of pork on it. And for breakfast, they stick an egg on there, a bunch of spices and vegetables and whatnot. And they're really, really delicious. I think the thing that makes banh mi so good is the bread that they use. It's just so, like, it's hard on the outside, but very, very soft on the inside. It's it's like Jimmy John's bread. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's delicious. What I'll say is that how much was a bond me converted to US dollar? Oh, I got two of them for ugh, like a dollar and a quarter. Yeah, which I think is amazing. And this is just goes to show you like kind of the upsell of coming to America. I, I'm pretty sure you can buy this for like six dollars in the grocery store. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're like they're like upsold a lot because I used to I used to go to like an Asian grocery store back home in Connecticut and they would sell bond me. And there's like a restaurant next door that sold banh mi and they're like selling it for like six bucks a pop. And like, obviously if you like the more elaborate it was, the more, it's like, I mean like any sandwich shop, mm-hmm. but like the fact that you bought one for $2, essentially two for $2 was, was crazy. To me. Yeah. 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 It's, it's amazing how cheap things are here in general, just compared to back home. I, I still find it fascinating. Okay. Well, uh, that leads us into today's episode uh travel hacking 101 um so let's let's talk about why you decided to go to vietnam and and how your previous trips to uh god i hope i remember all of them south america india central europe italy australia new zealand you you've been to i don't know over how many countries would you say you've been to so far Oof, I don't know. Uh, 15, maybe? 20? Yeah, okay. Okay, so dozens of countries. And so over time, you, you've backed back through all of them, right? Or mo- most of them. I guess all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I consider myself a backpacker, staying in hostels okay. and all that. And so you definitely picked up some travel hacks along the way. So, so how has those past trips helped you travel and backpack in Vietnam? Is, is Vietnam different than other countries you've visited? Yeah, um, I mean, as far as, like, it's probably one of the most, 
I, it's hard for me to say like what is a third world country versus a first world country. Most of the countries except for India have been like first world, I guess. But I don't know. I'd consider this maybe third world. Do you okay. agree with it? Um, I don't no. even like what is the definition well, of third world versus first world. I would world? say, I would say third world to me would be. Um, Lack of running water, walking miles to get your water, no electricity, okay. no internet, no Wi-Fi. All right. Like, I feel like even though you're Vietnam, I mean, does Vietnam fit those criteria? Maybe in the rural sections, but right. probably not where you are. No, you're right. You're right. Um, so it's probably somewhere in between there and first world because it's definitely not first world with the lack of garbage collection and trash on the streets and just gross smells that you see when you're walking around yeah i mean so i would say it's i'm sure there's a way for it it's definitely not a uh i don't want to call it a modernized it's definitely modern civilization right like it's a modern country Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's not like westernized in the sense that there's a lot of infrastructure built into it yeah yeah there is a distinction you're right and and I, I don't know if there's a term for that semi modern. I don't want to call it semi modern. Like I don't want I don't want to call it modern in general because I don't think that's the appropriate term because mm-hmm. it is a modern country. It's just the society and the infrastructure isn't as built up as as westernized countries are, like America or the U.S. Like like America or England, the United Kingdom or Germany or any other European country. Yeah, I agree. So so just for that reason, it's a little bit different than most of the places I've been. Okay. Well, how about travel hacks wise? Like, are there certain things that have translated from your past trips or have there, are there new things that you've kind of learned just by being there for like the last few weeks? Um, So like, so like I remember when you, okay, let's put this this way. I think one of your vlogs, you talked about um, bringing uh, a power strip to dangle your, your, your laptop charger. Right. mm, mm. So remember, I remember that, when you have a power power converter, you plug those into the wall, and then you plug in, let's say your your MacBook charger, into that power adapter, it's gonna fall off, right? And mm-hmm. so you learned to buy a kind of like an extension cord so that the power charger is on the ground, so it's not gonna fall off. There's not that much weight. Have you learned anything in Vietnam in your short time there? Hmm. Like that. Um. I got nothing for you. I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Mm. Well, if you, I mean, if you can't think of anything, but that, but that's just to show you, like maybe, maybe that, like you've experienced a lot of things, and that your past trips have prepared you for for this one. So you are more prepared than you thought. Yeah, I mean, it's been close to a year now that I've been traveling on and off, and I feel like I have a good, solid repertoire of just things that I usually do like my go-to choices for where to stay and how to find them and how to book transportation and all that like I feel like I got that down pat and I'm sure there's lots for me to learn too at the same time but um yeah just nothing okay nothing of note all right so with that being said do you feel like despite being in Vietnam like some of the stuff you've learned from Central Europe has translated over to to like a different country like 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 you're tra- like you said you like you're really good at proficient at getting transportation at right yeah yeah like is getting transportation the same in Vietnam as it was in Central Europe? Oh right, so 
in Central Europe, they have Uber and they have a really good bus system and train system. And that's like a well-known, or I guess it's not a well-known, but when you get there, you find out that these are like your three options for traveling, either taxi and Uber, train or bus. It's going to be similar here. It is similar here in Vietnam. They do have trains, they do have buses, and they do have taxis, but it's not necessarily the same. Uh, like They don't have Uber here, and their train system is much less sophisticated. But I think in general, the pricing structure between the three, the relative price differences between the three modes of transportation are the same. So your cheapest option is always going to be a bus. Then after that, for longer distance trips, a, um, a train is going to cost close to twice as much, even more than that, than a bus ticket. And then for, you never want to take a taxi long distances, but if you need to, um, here would be the place to do that because taxis are so much cheaper. For example, I took a, a 45 minute taxi in Vietnam from Da Nang to Hoi An, and it only costs like 10 or 11 US dollars. Where if you did that same taxi back in Central Europe, it would have cost you, I don't know, like over 50 euros probably. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that just shows you kind of one of the reasons why you're in Vietnam, right? It's just affordable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my primary reason for coming here and a lot of backpackers' reasons for coming here because you can stretch your dollar so much longer and spend so much more time here than you would somewhere else like Australia or Europe or the United States. Okay, I gotcha. So, so the episode title is Travel Hack. So can you explain kind of what a travel hack is in your opinion? In my opinion, as a, a budget backpacker, travel hacking is trying to find either loopholes or deals or different ways of spending less during travel, whether that's for transportation or lodging or food. I think most of what we're going to be talking about today in this episode is more so with trying to find transportation, specifically plane tickets. And there's quite a diff quite a few different ways that I've used, and I know you've used some of these too, Mark, uh, that I've in the past gotten really good deals on plane tickets. So we'll talk about some of those today in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And so we have talked kind of about I don't want to say it's a travel hack, but we talked about using points and miles for travel back in episode what? That was an early episode, Tony, right? That was episode 10. That was episode 10. Okay. So that was a long yeah. time ago. 19 episodes ago. 19 weeks ago. It's, my God, it's been a long time doing this podcast. In any case, so so that, so that this isn't necessarily uh, a part two to that, but I would say that it's this you actually have to pay money instead of using points or miles that you redeem and earn through credit cards or flying um on airlines or whatever but uh mm -hmm. this is just giving you i would say a, a, another method of trying to figure out how to travel from a to b using maybe not the most convenient route but definitely the most inexpensive route for sure for sure and i know one of the first travel hacks that I've ever heard, I think was from my parents or I don't know. Yeah, probably my parents, um, I guess from watching the news or reading an article, they said that the best time to buy a plane ticket was on a Tuesday night. Did you ever hear this? I thought it was a Wednesday, 
But I, no, I think no, 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 no. It was definitely Tuesday. Something else was on Wednesday. But yeah, I've heard that before yeah. too. Like you wait on Tuesday, and airline fares are significantly cheaper. Or maybe not significantly, yeah. but they definitely are cheaper. Yeah. And so well, and so is that true? Yeah. The reason I bring that up is because I, I've been reading articles over the past year or so, and the the sentiment for that being true is no longer the case. So um, there's been many studies by different third parties analyzing you know millions of plane tickets across multiple airlines and they've seen that while this may have been true in the past like 10 20 years ago this is no longer the case in present day in 2019 there there's no significant difference between buying a ticket on tuesday versus any other day of the week so i'm gonna (laughs) debunk that travel hacking myth right here right now so i think that is uh, well i think that's true and i think the reason why that in the past that may have been true is just because um since i don't know the invention of the computer going back to whatever episode we talked about big data analytics um that's what airlines are using now they're using all this analytical data and just purchasing behaviors and stuff like that and they're putting that into an algorithm and that dictates the fares that you purchase on a specific day. Yeah. And that really is a good point because, um, there's a thing called a a price tracker built into Google flights and you've used that before Mark, right? Yeah, I have to help you purchase your flight home. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? To help you purchase your flight home when you come back from Australia. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's this, this built-in feature to Google Flights that you can see how the price of a plane ticket has changed um, in the past, like over the past month or two, and you can choose to track that flight and you'll get notifications if the price drops or goes up in price from one day to the next. And it's super, super useful. Like Mark was saying, prices for plane tickets now are very dynamic and fluctuating on a daily basis sometimes and you can sometimes by waiting a day or two or a week or two to buy your ticket your price for your plane ticket can drop by 50 100 200 dollars even more than that sometimes so it's not necessarily the day of the week that you buy your ticket but maybe just a certain day versus another day and there's really no way to know which one is the best day but google has some type of artificial intelligence built into it that says at the top of the screen it says something like prices are unlikely to drop before your departure or prices are expected to drop by 20 percent in the next few days so that's a really cool tool that i've used like we talked about um, about how you can use a price tracker to get a good deal on a flight yeah, there's a there's another app that you can download for your phone called Hopper, H O P P E R. It's the same idea as that though. So you punch in the day you want to leave, the day you want to come back, and I'll say like, yeah, like you should like they and they give you recommendations either like wait, buy now, or mm, I think that's actually it, <laughs> <laughs> wait or buy now. Um, and it because it'll get, tell you like this price is like a hundred dollars above average we've seen prices fall to this level um by this date and at some point it'll give you recommendation Mm -hmm. 
I really like that. Just that extra like peace of mind that you're either paying too much or getting a good deal on your ticket because just because they're so dynamic, these prices for plane tickets, I really, that frustrates me sometimes that it's just not, wouldn't it be nice if you just paid like based on that distance that you're going, right? Because like you can pay a hundred bucks to get to California from Baltimore one way, but you can pay like 500 to get to Arkansas, which is... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy how that works out. And obviously airlines have their own algorithms for figuring out that stuff. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're not going to go into like overbooking because obviously the airlines overbook their flights and all that stuff. It just, I don't know. It's, it's a whole bunch of stuff that obviously the airlines can get away with though. Cause they, they definitely have the power in this case cause no one can really control them in, in price gouging or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. But it's for that reason that we have some of these travel hacks that we're talking about. Um, one, namely, I'll use this example about going to California and Arkansas. There's something called Hidden City Tickets. Do you have any idea what that is? Yeah, I do, because I watch your YouTube video <laughs> about yeah, I tend it. To, <laughs> I tend to talk about this a lot. And although I haven't used it ever, actually, I never bought a, a Hidden City Ticket but I, I just think it's fascinating that they exist. So for an example, um, if you're flying from Baltimore to LA, it can be cheaper to book a ticket to San Francisco via LA and just skip your last leg of your flight than it is to book a ticket directly to LA. So for example, the ticket to San Francisco with a layover in LA could cost you $150. But if you want a nonstop ticket directly to LA, that could cost you something like $200. And I don't know why this is the case, but a lot of times there are uh, these these hidden city ticket fares that you pay less f- by skipping the last leg of your flight. So so you get this a lot in Southwest tickets, honestly, because it de- it actually depends, I think, partly if it's a hub or not, okay? And so I know for a fact, I've never done it before either because we'll talk into the ramifications after this. But um, if you're flying, let's say from LA to Baltimore on Southwest, okay? LA, I believe is a Southwest hub, BWI is a Southwest hub. But so there's constantly direct flights and I think you can pay like 175 bucks for a direct flight. But the problem is those tickets sell out really quickly because Southwest has three different tiers. There's the cheap fares, the medium fares, and then the really expensive fares. And so the, once the cheap fares are gone, they're gone. And there only are the medium fares left. And so the medium fare might be like, instead of 175, it would be 250, let's say. And so what you could do is a hidden city fare. And what in that case, instead of going to BWI, you put in a flight to, let's say, Hartford, Connecticut via BWI. So you have a connecting flight. And what you do instead is you just kind of don't take that BWI to Hartford flight and because that could be structured as a different fare. So instead of those medium price tickets, it might be classified as a cheaper ticket as those cheap tickets. And so um, instead of like $250 for the medium expensive ticket, it might be like 175 or 150 from flying from LA to uh, Hartford, Connecticut via BWI. Yeah, that makes sense. And 
to find these hidden city ticket fares, there's this website called Skiplagged. It's at skiplagged.com. Yep. And you just do your search, uh, preferably one way, because doing a round trip with a Skiplagged, doing a round trip with a hidden city fare really doesn't make sense. I think you can get in um, trouble from the airline if you uh, d- do a round trip ticket because you're missing your your final leg of your flight like we talked about but anyway you can do your search on there and it'll come up with um, multiple different options for how you could potentially get a ticket like we talked about to a certain destination without going to that that final leg of the flight and the the other thing I should point out here is that you can't if you, ch- if you plan to check a bag, you can't really do that because by skipping that last leg of the flight, your bag's going to end up in your final destination in that, that hidden city. So you have to have only carry-ons when you're traveling like this. So it's a little bit risky. You have to know what you're doing. Um, and it's only good for, I'd say, like trips within the United States, although that, that might not be the case. You might find something international. Yeah, and so I think we we don't know this, uh, and I've never actually investigated this. Maybe you have. Is this actually legal or illegal? So What's the like the legality of hidden city tickets. Every time you buy a plane ticket, you're agreeing to like a contract between you and the airline, and most likely somewhere in that agreement that you're signing off on is something a rule that you're breaking. So legality in a form of like a law i think it's okay like from the government you're not breaking any laws but you're breaking that contract most likely between you and the airline yeah i would agree with that so it's a, it's a little bit of a gray area mm-hmm. it's like torrenting mm-hmm. the thing is though united airlines try to sue this this company skip flag this website and i think the the courts ended up throwing out the 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 case because they couldn't find any grounds. Or, I'm not sure the specific reason, but United basically United tried to sue Skiplagged and Skiplag won. So to shut, to shut them down. Yes, to shut them down. Good point. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess going off of that, kind of going back to episode ten, points and miles. If you do a hidden city fair, you will not get your points and miles from this. So uh, you need to complete your itinerary to get those stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and so, like, what you said is true. Like, if you if you don't check a bag, um, you know, don't don't really like this is this is a high risk, high reward. So, I think at some point you have to realize, like, is this worth the risk? Mm-hmm. If it's like a difference of twenty bucks, maybe not. But if you're saving two hundred dollars on a flight, I'd say hell yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one thing that um, we can add on to this, not just get blagged your hidden city tickets, like see if you can get creative with your routing. Like maybe you can buy two one-way flights as opposed to just, you know, a, uh, a, a direct flight or a connecting flight. Because I've seen it cheaper that way. I've seen it cheaper to buy two one-way flights for some reason rather than a, a connecting flight to the same exact airport. And so when, when, you, when you use Google Flights as a tool... You can actually do that. You can pick. A, you can choose a multi-segment flight plan, and just punch in like BWI to to uh, LAX to SFO or something like that as two different segments, and it'll give you the price for that combined. So, creative air rats are also I I've found kind of a 
a good way to to save money when you're traveling. Mm-hmm. And and with that, you, again, you have to be responsible with your your bags because if you're checking a bag on two one way flights, you're going to have to pretty much leave the airport and go back through security at your layover. So it's best to in those cases to just do your carry ons only. To carry on, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so with that being said. If you are doing all these searches, right? If you're looking for all these flight pa- plans uh, and prices on Google Flights or Kayak or Mamondo or you know tr- whatever travel site, because one thing you got to realize is that these people are tracking you 100% of the time. Um, there's just an article that came out in the Washington Post saying that Google Chrome was the worst offender for tracking uh, at internet travel. Have you? Have you? Did you read that article? Mm-mm. That's interesting. So yeah, so um, I was looking up recently um, a video game, uh, oddly enough, and so I was just researching like what kind of game this was, just randomly, and literally probably the next time I went on Facebook or or just like was on Amazon or whatever, all the ad banners would transition over to the the publisher of that video game specifically oh yeah yeah and so so google chrome tracks you it's really bad so it's a great browser but i don't know what they can do to get around that but but that being said airlines do the same thing um tony so like have have you experienced that before oh yeah yeah not only just with airlines but with uh, just any type of internet searches and products online you see all the ads immediately pop up after you do a search for some type of product. Um, but yeah, th- it makes sense from a, a technology standpoint. There, there's these things called cookies that live on your computer and your browser that allows a company or a website to um, track your behavior. And nowadays it's really, really easy for these companies to do that just because of the um, ubiquity, is that the right word? The, the ubiquity of Google, like being everywhere. I know sorry this is getting a little technical but i know like a lot of websites use in one form or another google to power their websites in some form so like either their analytics or some internal search function by giving your website access to google google has that like hand in your user's behavior and and actually the the reason that you just brought up about google chrome like google owns chrome and they're getting all those analytics about your behaviors on the browser as well. So, yes, they're, Google's watching, these airlines are watching your behavior. And my, my theory is, and a lot of other people's theory is that these airlines are tracking your behavior just to see how much they can get away with charging you for a plane ticket. So if an airline sees you searching for flights to Florida... Orlando or say something like that. If this airline sees you doing that over time, they might say, okay, this specific user is looking to go to Orlando. The price now for a ticket is $150. They haven't bought it yet. Let's see if we can bump it up like 20 bucks and charge them that and they'll still go. So they're doing these tests and, and this is just a theory, but they're probably doing these tests to see how much they can get away with charging you for a plane ticket based on your browsing habits. You know, I've thought that was a myth too, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've not confirmed it, but I haven't denied it either. It's, it's like nearly impossible it, to. You get can't the truth. prove it. You can't no. prove it, but you no. can. But it makes sense, right? So, so what are some things that you can do to to kind of prevent airlines from tracking you, or even travel? I, I shouldn't say airlines. I should say travel websites because I think ho- like hotel websites do this. Those like Priceline and Travelocity. I think they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, like I mentioned with the the cookies earlier. I mean, you can either clear your cookies, but the, probably the easiest thing to do is to go to an incognito browser or a tab or a window, and that, by default, starts a fresh session, a fresh internet browsing session that doesn't have any of those cookies associated with you in it already. Maybe a, a step up from that would be to not use Google Chrome and use a entirely different browser that's secure and doesn't track your um, behavior. I forget. There's one, uh, there's a web browser that prides itself on not storing any cookies or tracking your behavior. Um, Damn it. I'll have, I I forget about it too, but it's definitely, I think it's actually maintained by cryptocurrency. My uncle uses it and I don't remember what it is. Yeah. I think it's based on the blockchain and I don't remember. I don't know how it's based on blockchain either, but uh, it's it's one of the things that has came about from cryptocurrency is that, uh, have you ever, have you even done a cryptocurrency podcast? No. Like explaining what blockchain is. We should. Well, we should. Yeah. Mixed up. I mean, that is pretty cool. Um, but basically blockchain is the ability to do to go from one person to another person sending information or, or a transaction or whatever from, from like me to Tony in a secure manner. So let's say I want to give Tony $10. I don't have to go through PayPal or Venmo or our bank. We can just do that seamlessly and securely because we don't have to go through a middle name, middleman. And so this website browser, and I don't remember the name does that in the same way um, so you don't have to go through like a Mozilla or Google Chrome or go through any of these servers that are picking up your revenue or, uh, their, your profiling or whatever. Um, is it perhaps the Tor browser? I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's called, just called yeah. Tor. Yeah. The, yeah. So, so like I was saying, that's a potentially a good way to start your, your airline ticket search if you want to be protect yourself from being tracked. Um, but a level on top of that, and I'll try to make this quick because I know we're hitting 30 minutes here. A level on top of that is to use something called a VPN. And I don't think we talked about VPNs on the podcast yet, but just real quick, a VPN is a virtual private network and it allows your geographic location and your IP address to be changed to somewhere else in the world. So by doing that, you're not only hiding your, your location and your I guess your hometown, your country, but you're also starting off with this fresh session that there's no cookies associated with your your airline ticket searching history. So, so when you're using a VPN, you have the option to choose where your geographic location is. And there's a couple different techniques that I've read about that you can do to see different prices for airline tickets. One would be to choose the 
location of the headquarters of the airline. So if you're flying to London, you might want to go on the VPN and connect to a VPN server that is located in London. And if you look for a plane ticket to London from the US, the price may be different than it would be if you were searching for that same exact plane ticket in the United States. So, so basically what you're doing is pretending to be in London, sitting on your computer, searching for plane tickets, and you're going to see these potentially cheaper flights. Or Actually, it, it could work both ways. It could be more expensive too. Okay. Um, so I've heard about that before. Um, I know some people have actually purchased their tickets in the destination country as opposed to um, the departure company. So I think this is really big when you're going to Central America or South America. So like if you're flying from DC to Brazil, okay, I think it's actually cheaper to purchase your ticket through kind of what you said, the VPN purchasing it through a VPN directed through some kind, some city in Brazil, but also paying for it in Brazilian dollars or whatever their currency is. Oh yeah. And then, and then converting it over back to us dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen similar things saying that buying your flight in the, the currency of the airline is you're going to get a better deal. There's no currency conversion that you have to worry about and it upcharges with that. So that's a really good point. Travel hack as well. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. I think there's some, a lot of different things that we could talk about and do, but this is a good starting off point. If you're not familiar with travel hacking at all, um, these are really good tips that I've used personally. And I know Mark has as well to save potentially hundreds of dollars on your, your travels. No, absolutely. Um, and I think what the, the main thing to take away is that, you know, there's a lot of different things to you that you can use a lot of different techniques that you can use um, to get your prices of these tickets down. Um, and I also think it's one thing that if you enjoy traveling, this is one aspect that can truly make you feel creative, make you feel like, you know, you've, you've conned the system in a way. It, it's almost in like an exciting rush, kind of in the way that you use those points, right? So when you, when you, when I use points trying to find the cheapest route to get somewhere, I always love coming up with like different transfer partners and trying to figure out what points I can use to transfer to what different airline to get the lowest price available. Same thing here. You're trying to, instead of using points, you're using just money, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that's, that's fun and exciting. Absolutely. So if you guys have any questions for travel hacking, let us know on our website at the 4501podcast.com slash 29, where you'll find a comment section and all the show notes from this episode. And I think with that, that's all we got for this week. Anything else, Mark? No, no, I think I think you're okay. Um, but I also think you should do the outro and not screw it up this time. You got it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please follow us on Twitter at the 4501 Podcast to keep up with the latest news and events. If you have any suggestions for episodes or would like to contact us, 
shoot us an email at the 4501podcast at gmail.com.